1: Hey y'all, I'm Zach Glazer, and this is episode 490 of the Lawyer's Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, I talk with Labster Ryan McKean about the emerging leaders retreat that Stephanie ran for his firm. Today's podcast is brought to you by iLawyer Marketing, so stick around and I talk with them later on. As you can probably tell right now, I am alone in podcast headquarters today. So instead of having a conversation with myself, I would really like to pose a question to our listeners. And it's related to my conversation with Ryan McKean. We're talking about emerging leaders and helping facilitate the growth of leaders within your own firm. And I want to know what makes you a good leader in your firm? The listeners of this podcast are a lot of times, or I'd say most of the time, leaders in their firms. They own their firms, they're heads of their firms, or they do a lot of work in their firms. And so I just want to know, or I want want you to think about, what is it that makes you a good leader? And now here's my conversation with Mike from iLawyer Marketing. And then after that, we'll head into our conversation with Ryan. Hey y'all, Zach here, and I've got Mike from iLaw Your Marketing with me. Now, iLaw Your Marketing is a full-service law firm marketing agency that handles everything from content creation and web design to pay-per-click and so-called over-the-top or streaming advertising. Mike, thanks for being with me again. Hey, happy to be here, Zach. So Mike, last time we talked, we were chatting about the six elements of a successful law firm marketing campaign, and if people want to listen to that, they can go back to our previous episode, and we'll put a link in the show notes. But today, I'd like to dig into one of the first and more important aspects of a law firm marketing campaign. You were saying your website. Tell me a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, so website is so incredibly important to any law firm's marketing success, and I think it's something that a lot of times people think is a second thought. Oh, I have a website. My website's fine. I did it a couple of years ago, you know, or, right. or whatever it may be. There's a lot more to having a website that helps you to convert than just having a nice design you know, or something that's been done recently. So one right. of the most important aspects is, is that website helping you to convert more of your visitors or is it costing people to sometimes leave your site and go to a competitor's site? And obviously you want to avoid that at all costs, right? So you want to try to <laughs> right. maximize the conversion of, of anybody that's coming to your site. So we've done a lot of research studies over the years, really digging into getting into the mind of the consumer, what causes them to you know reach out to one law firm, you know versus another law firm. So we kind of put right. that thought into all the designs and the websites that we create. And so that's what I thought we would we'd talk a little bit about today.
1: Okay. So we're talking about not just having a website that is the equivalent of your name on the door on the on the square. We're talking about having a a billboard or even more than that. You know, this a website can do way more than than a billboard on the side of the road. We're talking about saying what do we need this to do? What's the ultimate goal of this website as opposed to just, well, we want to make, make people think that we're real.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, your website has to help you stand out from your competition, number one, right? The average consumer mm-hmm. is going online. They're comparing it when they're going and doing research. They're looking at typically five different attorney websites at a minimum. Some people do even more, but they're comparing you to right. other law firms out there. So the idea is what can you put on your site to help give them the the idea that you are the best law firm to hire. Mm-hmm. And so I think before you understand how to make a great website, you need to understand what causes people to leave a website. Right. So okay. we kind of we did a lot of research into that. So the number one we did a study, I think it was a few months ago, but there was over thirteen hundred participants in this study. We asked them, you know, some of the reasons why they would leave a lawyer's website. The number one reason that they would leave a website is not enough information. And oh. that doesn't mean that like, your website may have thousands of pages, but if it's not easy for a consumer to find that information that they want, that may mm-hmm. be a reason that they leave, right? Your content, it may be buried, may be buried somewhere deep into, right. into your site. Or a lot of times we see law firms doing pay-per-click marketing. They're having their visitors go to a landing page. That landing page doesn't have nearly enough information about the firm. So when you're talking about very expensive cost per click in the legal world, <laughs> you want to you do everything you can to make sure that people are actually staying on your site, right? So, And that right. is the number one thing that I see. That's the number one problem I see is that certainly with landing pages, there's not enough information on that site to help con- convert that visitor.
1: So what can people do? And we may want to dig into this a little bit later. What can people do to kind of think about and change that to make sure that they are putting the right amount of information on on that page?
2: Well, the number one thing is, realizing that a lot that a visitor is not going to be clicking and visiting a ton of pages on your site. They kind of scan a web page. They don't really read all the, all the oh, content yeah. on the web page. Certainly it's <laughs> long, right? They're scanning. Oh, yeah. So certainly on the web, on the homepage, you know, the, the area near the top of the site, the, the hero image, the header area, we want to make sure that you have important selling points for your from right up there above the fold, as we call it, right? Above mm-hmm. the fold, meaning mm-hmm. the person doesn't have to scroll to find this information, but Having some key selling points up at the top or having case results up at the top, past successful case results, is very important to have okay. as well as potentially testimonials. It kind of depends on what is the strength of your firm. If you have these incredible results, that should be at the very top of the site where people can see that without having to scroll or even click on other pages of the site if you don't have great results then at the very least powerful video testimonials from from mm-hmm. the existing clients you know or even written testimonials video goes a lot a lot longer with converting prospects so okay i say video testimonials but even and then also having a video about the firm so we also in that study we also did ask the participants of having a video about the firm if that would help Convince them that this lawyer is a, you know, is better than, you know, lawyer A is better than lawyer B. And so having video on your site is very important because 80% of people said, yes, that would help me in my decision-making process.
1: I would not have guessed that, but it makes sense, but I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that.
2: Yeah. So it's very important, especially to a younger audience. I think the younger the people, the more important video is, but even across the board, 80%, Out of, you know, 1,300 participants, that's pretty powerful (laughs) in terms of, yeah, you better have great video on your site to help you convert.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. So Mike, obviously this is a a lot of information to pack into just a couple of minutes and we could talk about this for a long time. So with that in mind, you guys over at iLawyer Marketing are offering a free 30-minute strategy session, which we have a link to in the show notes. What could people potentially get out of that session?
2: Yeah, they'll get a lot out of that. You will come out of a 30-minute strategy session with knowing exactly what you need to do to improve your website and make it better. Because at the end of the day, the whole goal of this website is to help you convert more leads and help you sign up more new clients. And that 30-minute strategy session, I think you'll, go, you'll come away with knowing exactly what you need to do.
1: Well, I I certainly got a lot out of just this six minutes talking about it. So, you know, multiply that times five and you've got a lot of value there. And people can find that link in the show notes or they can go to iLawyerMarketing.com. Mike, once again, thank you for sharing your expertise with our podcast listeners. I appreciate it. Uh, You're very welcome.
3: Hi, I'm Ryan McKean. I'm co-founder and CEO at Connecticut Trial Firm in Hartford, Connecticut. We are a personal injury firm. I'm also a graduate of Lawyers Lab, and I have been coaching at Lawyers for probably, I think, the past three years, uh, which has been awesome for me.
1: Yeah, Ryan, I think you've been coaching about as long as as I have here, in kind of the same capacity. And in not, we're not, you know, day to day all the time, but really more subject matter expert sort of things. So I appreciate you being with us today, and I, I always enjoy talking with you.
3: Well, thanks for having me, Zach, and likewise.
1: So Stephanie tells me, and I don't hear about everything at Lawyers, but Stephanie tells me that you guys did a retreat recently that she helped facilitate, and you called it the Emerging Leaders Retreat. Now, that was within your firm, right? Yes. Okay. So you, (laughs) I guess you did an Emerging Leaders Retreat within your firm. Tell me about that. Like, I don't know that I know exactly what that would be.
3: Yeah. So, look, I, I grew my firm from a solo to a solo with some help to a small firm. Mm-hmm. Now there's about 40 of us, okay, okay, over the course of about a six-year period, five, six-year period. And so, like, that growth requires lots of change. Mm-hmm. It requires lots of structure. And, you know, one of the things that always struck me was I would I – as a co-founder and CEO, would go to something like LabCon, and I would learn so much, mm-hmm. and I would develop. It's my belief that leadership isn't something one is born with; it is something that one develops over time through experience, through right. learning, through workshops, and it's something that we can improve. Mm-hmm. And so, as our firm grew, we not only needed to grow managers of things, we needed to grow leaders of things to get us to the levels that we wanted to do Mm -hmm. and so i'm like well we can't just expect our people to lead if we're not giving them the tools that's why i invited stephanie up because as somebody who's been to labcon i think probably four times i saw her as an amazing facilitator Mm -hmm. at labcon and i'm like well I can't bring everybody to LabCon, but what if I brought LabCon to us? Right. And that was the impetus for bringing Stephanie up to Hartford.
1: Okay. I love that. I know that you've touched on this a little bit, but what were you trying to get out of her coming up there or, or somebody coming up there to create this?
3: So what we did is we identified probably about a dozen people on our team who mm-hmm. were stepping into or were in who or are expected to be in... Leadership roles, right. right? And so we segregated those folks out from our team and we said, look, we're going to give you some leadership training, mm-hmm. right? We're going to give you some um, ideas on how to deal with conflict, some ideas on how to delegate, some ideas on how to coach up, how to encourage, how to goal set. And we're going to give you some tools around these things, be it through materials or workshops. And we're going to try to help you become better leaders in our organization.
1: Right, right. And that's kind of juxtaposed to hiring from the outside to then top-down leadership.
3: Correct. Look, we have, we have, I'm the CEO, so I sit sort of at the top of the firm Mm -hmm. and we have our leadership team, right? But our leadership team is like five or six, but we need a whole nother layer beyond that of people who aren't just managing people who aren't just producing but people who are leading their own departments and their own small teams within our team. And so it becomes sort of a a critical transition for us to make as a firm because you know we we often talk in this space about like well, you know, in or on the business, right? But mm-hmm. you know, in some level like I needed to grow to sort of above the business and in order to do that I needed to have more people Beneath me, working on the business, not just managing sort of what I'm asking them to do, but in fact, hopefully coming up with better solutions than I ever could. It's just, it's a reaction to the organization just being much more complicated with a lot more things going on. And the belief is that if we invest in people and we invest in their skills, we're going to get better results.
1: That would make sense. I don't know how old the adage would necessarily be, but you know, if, if you're hiring from within, if you're helping your people become, you know, the right butt, right seat, it's cheaper than than bringing somebody else in. Frankly, so your firm kind of has become a little bit more complex in its its organizational structure. When did you start thinking I need to put these people into there? I, I need to help those people in that area grow.
3: I would say somewhere between the size of about 20 to 25, mm-hmm. like that became a real pain point. Like yeah. We were both large and small at the same time. And so we didn't have well-defined org chart. We had an org chart, but it just mm-hmm. broke, right? Mm-hmm. As you grow, things break. And what we needed to do as a firm was to operate efficiently, not you know, all of us making every decision. But to delegate those decisions to essentially develop teams of specialists, right? Mm -hmm. In any sort of organization, you know, you've got marketing, you've got your intake, you've got your production, you've got your finance, you've got your operations. And so we sort of needed, you know, maybe in a larger company like VPs or a smaller company department heads, Mm -hmm. or you could even call them team leads, as we sometimes do of those various firm functions.
1: Right. So as a weird aside, I would love for people just to roll back just a second to listen to you rattle off, you know, all those portions of your firm as they, you know, kind of exist right now. You've got marketing and operations and and all of those that looks significantly different I think than a lot of firms envision themselves. You know, as they're going because they think okay, attorney at the top and attorney ownership. So are you promoting and pushing attorneys into these positions?
3: No, not always. For example, uh, last summer, we uh, hired a guy by the name of Kyle Bergquist, uh to be our COO. Mm-hmm. Kyle has a master's in business from University of Virginia, has 25 years experience with big, small companies, no experience in legal, mm-hmm. but really has a specific focus on data and tech, which is for where we felt like we needed the most we needed somebody at the helm and so what we have done is we brought in Kyle to really run the firm mm-hmm. and run the day to day of the firm because what was happening was I was having 12 direct reports and like that just is way too much right. right now I have two direct reports I have my marketing director I wear two hats I wear the I'm the chief marketing officer so I have my marketing director report mm-hmm. me I'm a CEO and I have Kyle my COO report to me so there were two basic reports to me mm-hmm. ultimately that will become one report which is kyle because what we we have some amazing trial lawyers at. some of the, i mean mm-hmm. our team's got a hundred million dollar jury verdict right just a lot of success i would put our trial team up against anybody in this country mm-hmm. in terms of the quality of work that they produce and what we want them to do is to do what it is that they love to right. do it well to have the resources and to basically do only that
1: Yes. Do the thing that they're trained to do as opposed to, to taking an attorney and saying, okay, well, you're you're the person who has the specific skill set of doing this thing. We're going to promote you above that. We're going to promote you out of doing that thing. And now you're a manager of people who are doing that.
3: Correct. We do have our attorneys lead pods within our team. So Mm -hmm. even our production teams are broken down because what what we found, and I think the US military talks about this, when you start having more than like six people reporting to you, Mm -hmm. like it breaks down. And so basically our pods are about teams of five. Mm -hmm. It could be a little bit bigger, but they're not going to go 10 people. And so having those smaller reporting structures, so we do let them lead pods, which Essentially, they have a lot to say in the staffing of those pods mm-hmm. and how the production flows within those pods themselves to lead and address issues. So yeah, our pod leaders as well were at our retreat with Stephanie, our leadership
1: retreat. Okay. And I, I guess that kind of gets into my next question a little bit of who are you looking for to fill those roles? Like what were your determination factors in saying these people will come with me and I want to, to kind of push them into these roles? or give them the tools to fill these roles?
3: Yeah, you know, I think like in any organization, like there are people who have raised their hands. Mm-hmm. And the, those hand raisers who are people who are bought into your culture, they have some experience in your culture, be it, you know, probably more than a year, they sort of really are high on the one it gets it, and has the capacity to do it. Mm-hmm. Like some of those folks, like they raise their hands. Other folks like Kyle, like we did bring in from the outside. Right. Other folks, we have, we are working to develop them to get them to like higher letter levels of leadership. So we have a, a great member, we, we call our intake team, the client success team. Mm-hmm. We have a great member there and we're working with her on transitioning her out of production and into a director of client success role. And, you know, it's, it's a process for us but it's something that, you know, we see in her, she sees in herself and there's alignment there. And so we're trying to give the tools to get her there.
1: Mm -hmm. Does that, this is just kind of an aside, does that honestly, does that make her happy? Do you see that that type of interest in the people that work with you makes them more invested in your company?
3: Oh, no, no question. And I mean, for, you know, every, every team member is specific. So you have Mm -hmm. to have, you know, specific one-on-one conversations. Like we have some Leaders who are lawyers who don't want any part to do with like the strategy of running the firm, right? Like fine. But there are people out there who do want this. And so, you know, to me, I think as a firm, like when we have Stephanie up and we block a day, like that's a big investment of time and money for us. Mm -hmm. And it shows those people like we care about your success. We care about your future. And so they're very, they were very happy to participate in it. They, They all loved it.
1: Right. Well good. Good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Because yeah, like you said, it 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 is an investment, but it's an investment with, you know, forethought. So that's kind of the the who and the why. Let's get into the the what. What was this emerging leaders retreat? What did it look like?
3: So there was Stephanie and there was I want to say about like fourteen of us in the room. And, you know, there were various workshops that we did. I mean first of all, there was like a team building component. Mm -hmm. So when you get this large, you have people who work in an organization who never work with each other. But we all need alignment on it. So there was a component about trying to break down those barriers. There was a component that was incredibly well received. And you know, a large part of it is just like I go to something like Labcon, right? Mm -hmm. And I learn this great stuff. And then I come back to my office and I try to teach it, but it maybe it falls on deaf ears, so to speak, in the right. sense that they've like, Ryan, why are you talking about us again about something you learned at some conference? So right. it's like, well, right. let's bring the conference to them. Mm-hmm. And so when Stephanie's talking about time blocking and planners and organization and using it, like that's very constructive. When she's talking about feedback and delegation and how to do it and where the barriers are, That's very impressive when she's getting our leaders to commit to taking different actions to move the team. That's very positive as we're talking about our vision, our values and our alignment. Look, we didn't produce any revenue that day, but that is the sort of secret sauce that has allowed us like these kinds of things. This is not the first time we've had Stephanie up, but these kinds of things are the things that have allowed us to grow and will continue to allow us to grow in a way that is not overwhelming and is really kind of healthy and sustainable as much as it can be.
1: Okay. So before we kind of went on air, you and I were talking about some things being virtual at this point and the need sometimes for accessibility for things to be virtual. Is this something that you think you could have done virtually?
3: Interesting question, Zach, and a a very good one. Because the second, we brought Stephanie up for two days, right? Both days were supposed to be in person. We rented out a place. We had a screen. Mm-hmm. But the second day, we got this snowstorm. Okay. And we also have teams dispersed throughout the U.S. and mm-hmm. really throughout the world at this point. But we couldn't get together. Like, it made no sense. Icy roads, all this stuff, right? Right. And so I know from uh, COVID when uh, Steph had to redo LabCon on the fly, I'm like, can you do this virtually? <laughs> and <laughs> Stephanie's like, Absolutely. And honestly, like the virtual day was so good. Like as much as I like to spend time with Stephanie, I don't know if I'd fly her up because the virtual was almost better (laughs) in the sense that, first of all, everybody's on an equal playing field. Like we're all on a screen. Yeah. And the second component to it is in person, people tend to gravitate to who they know. Like that is human nature. Yeah. And in Zoom, Stephanie would just like randomly assign rooms. Yeah. So it forced, you know, some people to talk to people and know people that they otherwise didn't know. Mm -hmm. And she also was able to do some fun exercises on the fly, like, you know, show off the oldest thing in your house or something, right? Oh, yeah, Uh, some object. And, you know, you couldn't do that in person. So our team got a lot of value out of that second day being virtual. I was nervous about it going in, but I walked out like, I think we should just do this um, because it was that good. Mm -hmm. And and like cost aside or anything aside, I think it was a better format.
1: Yeah. But in a way, you know, in in the in-person format is there's a, an aspect of, Hey, everybody who's here, we've invested in you. We decided to, to parse out this amount of money to fly somebody in, to rent this area and all that. But yeah, I, I really like the kind of even playing field aspect of Zoom. I think that's a great way for things to do, but you could do that. I I know that Stephanie has facilitated that type of thing at, at LabCon anyway, where it's like, okay, table five, who's been randomly assigned, you're going over here. So what kind of feedback did you get or did you get feedback from the participants? Were they happy about it? Well, I guess so. There's kind of two different types of feedback. I think there's one, hey, this was a great thing or this was a bad thing. And then there's two, here are all my ideas. You know, there's that that water cooler effect, the creation of a group that is thinking about, you know, things bigger, which I think is probably the goal of it anyway. So what, what kind of feedback did you get from your team?
3: Yeah, we got overwhelmingly positive feedback. A lot of our team and we didn't realize it like struggled with like time management. Mm. So I think uh, Stephanie probably sold. More planners than anybody in human history in a short period of time. (laughs) You know, there are definitely some ideas that we got, but for us, we run on EOS, like we've got Mm -hmm. ways to escalate ideas. We're constantly doing it. I think for us, two things. I mean, I think the goal was to create alignment. We have a lot Mm -hmm. of new team members, getting them bought into the vision and values of the firm, because I can say vision values, and I can talk about it, right? Easy. But when I have one of our members of our client success team, who's been with us for a year and a half, talking to new employees about what the firm is and what we do. And she's saying the words I would say, it's more powerful coming from her.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: so there's a lot of that that was going on. And I feel like, even more than any sort of like one idea. And like, yeah, there was like, you know, can we create a Slack channel for this? Or, right, you right. know, this is something that's maybe slowing us down. We had sort of I- ideas and all that. It was the cultural buy-in and sort of excitement that came from it all that I think was uh, was very valuable.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think that you would do this again?
3: Yes. I wouldn't not do it. Yeah. Because like anything else, like leadership is a skill... Skills take time and energy and coaching to develop, and you pay either way. You can either invest in those skills or you can pay for the consequences of not investing in those skills. (laughs) I think it's far better to take some time, take some money, identify your people, give them some tools and let them build. Mm -hmm. Well, so
1: Ryan, I I think anybody listening to this podcast would say, okay, well, Ryan has some pretty good leadership skills because I think that it takes that in order to to put something like this together and to invest in, in your team. What sort of resources or tools would you suggest somebody listening to this podcast kind of look into in order to develop their own leadership skills?
3: You know, I mean, like there are some books that are good places to start,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know,
3: Radical Candor may be a good book for people who are in leadership roles. You know, anything by like Cy Wakeman, I think is very valuable. If you can mm-hmm. listen to her on a podcast or youtube and also sorts of notions of time management and buying time through the elevation of others not just the delegation to others but it's like hey you are a good client success intakes person for Mm -hmm. us if you can train three people under you to be as good like that's really amazing like that's where the real value gets added to your career the organization and our clients, frankly. And so, you know, getting some mindset work on onto that. I mean, I know lawyers has a number of good episodes. You know, we bought our team, what the heck is EOS books? Mm-hmm. We bought them buy back your time books. But, you know, these are sort of resources that I live in a world where I get thrown at me all the time, right? I see some of these people, I meet these people, I listen to these podcasts, I'm engaged with it. But It's not good enough that just I am, I need a dozen or so other people on my team of 40 to understand that stuff as well.
1: Right. So if I'm one of those dozen, or I want to be one of those dozen, or I'm in a law firm and I I want this type of thing to happen, but I don't own the law firm, what approach could somebody take to try to convince their law firm owners or partners or, or something like that to do something like this for them?
3: Yeah, I think you you look at it and I think look, if you're successful in almost any business, like you have to delegate, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is sort of like a critical component to success. Because if you can delegate, you can leverage. If you can leverage, you can scale. Theoretically, you can help more people, and theoretically you make more. Right. If it all works out. So ideally you work in an organization that at least understands delegation. Well, guess what? There are levels of delegation. Delegating tasks is sort of one thing, right? Like that's sort of like the lowest return stuff. Yeah. Delegating management, like that's a higher return because suddenly you're you're not managing your finance team, you have a manager of your finance team. Like really good, right? Right. But what if you can delegate some of the leadership of those things? Yeah. Like the people who manage the managers, the yeah. people who find the solutions and identify the problems. And I think to me like just from a business perspective, like investing in those people, those things like that's where the return is organizationally. And those things do show up because otherwise, your time and your systems just get eaten up with all the consequences of not dealing with those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a management burden, there's a task burden, and there's a leadership burden. And you should be thinking about delegating the leadership part of it.
1: Yes, I think that scares the shit out of lawyers and and people that are used to having total control of everything though
3: uh good um it should (laughs) but you know if you're if you're out there and you're hearing that Mm -hmm. like look like part of the process here is you've got to do work on yourself Mm -hmm. why do you feel that way go back to talk to a therapist like what in your childhood makes you you feel that way right Look, and it, there's nothing wrong. I never want anybody to think that like having a three-person firm is worse than having a forty-person firm. Lord right, knows it's right. not. It's just different. If that's your if that's your bag, like fine. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you have to let go if you want to grow to scale. You have to get used to letting go. I mean, there's a there's a line about like Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook where you know zuckerberg originally wrote all the code for facebook mm-hmm. and then he realized like if he was going if facebook was going to succeed as an organization he couldn't write any of the code right? right in in a law firm in a growing law firm in a growing business the same sorts of things apply every single day and in fact like if if you're out there and you're listening i would i would say you know every sunday write down three things one is what's going to make you money this week Two, what's going to make you more money long term, and three, what can I stop doing, mm. right? And mm. some of it is going to be like, okay, I'm going to stop answering the phones, and some of it's going to be, you know what, I'm going to stop leading our intake team. I'm going to yeah. give them the tools that they need. I'm going to put them in groups that they get. I'm going to give them some targets to shoot for. I'm going to give them some training, and I can tell you, like, what's a better life for me? Like, it, it is delegating that unquestionably, but right, that's me. <laughs>
1: Right. But I, I also think that if somebody looks at their values, their vision and their values, that that's probably built into there, you know. I know on a lot of podcasts we've said, how do you deal with some of the issues that you come up with in your firm? And you look at your vision and your values. And if your vision and your values says, I'm taking off Fridays or I want to spend more time with the kids, well, one way to do that, and certainly a much more direct path than other things is to to delegate the leadership. Yep. So what did you get out of this retreat? I get a lot because one of the
3: best things about bringing in an outside facilitator is I don't have to facilitate. Like that's a whole skill set. That's a lot of energy and it's a lot of effort to keep going. I can sort of sit back and listen. Mm -hmm. And if I'm in a group for, I'm not the one presenting out, I'm encouraging somebody else to present out. Mm -hmm. So to me, I get a lot of observation of people, of thinking about ways we can support them in other ways. So say somebody really is struggling with giving feedback to others, and I can say, you know what? This book, Radical Candor, really helped me. Here, you may want to read it and give it to them. So it allows me to sort of observe what's going on in the field a lot more than I could if I was having to be Stephanie, essentially, and facilitate.
1: Right. Right. Ryan, I could probably ask you questions about this all day because it's it's fascinating. You obviously, you know, got a lot out of it and and know a lot about it, but you know a lot about running a a firm and you've you've taken your firm from, you know, like you said, one person, three person shop to what it is now. And I think the results speak for for what it is now. But so I always appreciate talking with you. But if people want to hear more from you more of your voice. They can always find you. I I find you a lot of times on LinkedIn. I think that's a great place to hear from Ryan McKean. And where can they find you? How can they they connect with you there?
3: Zach, you hit the nail on the head. I'm on LinkedIn. I try to post every day. I share my thoughts on uh, whatever and as honest and authentic of a way as I possibly can, usually before I have coffee. (laughs) And I always respond to (laughs) DMs, comments, usually results in phone calls on my way into work trying to help people through stuff. But I've been given so much by people, including, you know, lawyers, like I was just so inspired by, you know, Sam and Aaron talking and posting Mm -hmm. that uh, I sort of see myself as a way to continue this forward. Like they inspired me to start my firm and it's like part of the same conversation.
1: I love that. Well, Ryan, once again, thanks for, for being with me. I always appreciate talking with you. Thanks for having me, Zach.
0: The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.